0: This week's episode is on the myth of the hole in the sheet. I'm Christopher Brenna.
1: I'm Andrew Kuzma.
0: And this is Strange Religion.
1: And I, I, I was thinking about the significance of it. Like, what's because it's not real.
0: No, it's not real. Not real. It's not a thing. It's kind of funny too. I kept looking for. Sheet with a hole in it. Yeah. Once I changed the search to hole in the sheet, I got a lot more results. It was weird.
1: That's weird. I don't think that's the way Google worked. I thought Google was just words. Like, if all the words are there, it doesn't matter what order they're in.
0: I guess it sometimes considers order. Maybe not. Anyway, either way, I did not find as much porn as I thought that I would.
1: I was only searching on porn websites. Maybe that was one of my problems. Oh, okay.
0: All right. Yeah. The hole in the sheet is mainly a Hasidic or Orthodox Jewish idea.
1: Well, I mean, how would we say? Because it's not their idea. It's a misconception of Hasidic Jews.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean is... Most people, when they think that this happens to anyone or that anyone does this, they think that it's Orthodox Jews that are doing ultra conservative, yeah, Orthodox it's a
1: Jewish Jews. thing, yeah,
0: yeah we can talk about there are other groups that this myth is also applied to who uh so the Amish, okay, and when it's applied to the Amish, it takes a completely different form, hmm. It's conceived of as completely different. Well, what do you mean? It's so a hole in the
1: sheet and you're having sex through the hole.
0: Yeah, but the conditions are totally different. Well, they're married, I assume. They're not. No. Ah, oh. It's actually paired with another myth about the Amish and about Hutterites. Okay. Who are also kind of this Anabaptist, part of the whole Anabaptist movement. Huh. Yeah. But I think we should talk about how it is expressed as a Orthodox Jewish myth.
1: Yeah. We can mention these other things too.
0: Oh, yeah. But I think we should, I think the most common way that it is expressed is as an Orthodox Jewish myth. As far as I can tell. Yeah. Well, like the Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Set the scene for me on that one. Again, because I, I've watched that, but I. I never watched Curb Your Enthusiasm, so...
1: I've seen many episodes. I've not seen that whole episode. I watched... I knew this episode existed, so I sort of went searching for scenes from it. And so I think the woman is this Hasidic Jewish woman that runs a dry cleaner and connects with Larry. And so they're going to have sex. I don't know if she's married to somebody else, if this is an affair or what.
0: Isn't there a season where Larry gets... A gift from his wife that is one act of infidelity or something like
1: that? Yeah. It was like when they got married, she promised him after ten years he would have oh. one like free pass. Okay.
0: Ten ten year anniversary gift.
1: But they end up divorcing in the show too. Oh, okay. Because Larry David divorced from his actual wife that his wife in the show was based on. Oh, okay. Uh yeah. So he just this is a Hasidic Jewish woman. And he just walks in wrapped in the sheet. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the hole in it. And she's like, what's the what's with the hole? What the hell? And he's like, well, you know. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love that guy. That's perfect. I love the show. I mean, yeah. It's a good summation of the myth, too. Well, and of Caribbean Enthusiasm. Because the whole show is about him challenging social conventions, pointing out the ridiculousness of social conventions. Okay right like who pays for what like who should you thank uh who gets credit for buying dinner you know whatever
0: yeah.
1: and he's points out that these things are arbitrary and ridiculous like that's where the humor is from that he is like ignorant of that he what doesn't accept it his humor and the humor of caribbean enthusiasm and seinfeld is people pointing out just sort of an arbitrary assumption or an arbitrary sort of uh uh cultural affectation cultural expectation sure and being vilified for pointing that out (laughs) (laughs) but then eventually being proven right like it is ridiculous the thing they pointed out is a ridiculous arbitrary thing that people insist upon abiding by and i think with the whole in the sheet knit myth the myth is trying to justify a kind of prejudice. Like there's something about this other group that we don't like, that they're too conservative. That's something about them that goes against what we think is acceptable. Mm -hmm. And that's what the myth serves as. It's proof. It's like, see, it's not arbitrary. Like our dislike of them is justified because they do this kind of crap.
0: Well, let's, before we go any further, let's describe... In graphic detail, what this myth exactly <laughs> is, and what we believe that Orthodox Jews are doing with the sheet. Do you want to do the honors?
1: Uh, I think I think you should take All this right, one. Actually, fair enough.
0: So, I think it's based on this idea, probably on a lot of things that um, outsiders. Uh, non-Orthodox Jews and Gentiles alike uh, see prevailing in Orthodox Jewish culture, which is a lot of separation of girls and boys. um, Educated, uh, uh, boys are educated off on their own and girls are educated off on their own. There's not a lot of interaction between the sexes. So... There's this myth that is still, of course, floating around on the internet because that's where everything just continues to fly forever. It's like the plastic bag in American Beauty. It just keeps going. <laughs> uh, there's something beautiful yeah, about it. It's, something.
1: So it's like there's beautiful some, and tragic. Of course, guiding this myth of sex through a yeah. sheet. That-
0: <laughs> So it's basically (laughs) this idea that on their wedding night, uh, an Orthodox Jewish man and woman get into the bed together, and between them is a large white sheet that obscures their view of each other and also serves to make sure that they will not uh, touch each other as much as possible. And then there's a hole. In the middle of the sheet, for the man to put his boner through, Um, (laughs) and then they have sex that way, and that's the that's the hole in the sheet myth. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's not true. Not true. I mean, okay. I'm sure people have done it because the idea is out there. So somebody's done this. It's one of the rules of the internet. If it. exist, there is pornography of it.
0: Yeah, or just some couple that's been, you know, up for a challenge.
1: Yeah, let's try this thing. Let's try
0: the let's try the Orthodox Jewish right. thing. There is actually this article that I read that was, you know, debunking the myth. It was actually written by a pair of Orthodox Jewish sex therapists who were kind of. <laughs> they wrote a book that came out I think about five years ago that's basically an Orthodox Jewish sex manual. And actually it describes really basic stuff. What is sex? How do you have sex? Things like that. And they
1: were That sounds pretty basic. Well I mean
0: they really they they did this as this perceived need within the Orthodox Jewish community that a lot of Hmm. you know young, impressionable Orthodox Jews were getting to their wedding night and had absolutely no idea what to do. and so and, you know, their access to media is limited to TV and movies and things like that. And so yeah these this pair of sex therapists wrote this really tame sex manual and they actually even had drawings. Allah, the joy of sex where, you know, okay. showing people how you might do things and they actually put those in an envelope that is affixed to the back cover of the sex manual. And if you don't want to see them, then you don't have to open the envelope when you can actually tear the envelope off and just throw it in the trash. But if you need some extra instruction or a visual, you can look at these drawings and actually saw what the drawings are they're very tame they're sort of like jackie Mm. Truehorn, you know (laughs) big lebowski yeah like the big lebowski line drawings okay i think i saw these drawings too i think
1: i know this book
0: i don't know how it's been received in the it has been translated into hebrew as far as i can tell and i don't know how it's been received in israel But these two actually had an article published in, you know, a scholarly journal where they debunked several of these Jewish sexuality-related myths.
1: Well, yes, because even if people somewhere in the world have done this, because people have probably done lots of things, it's not an actual practice of... (laughs) Of the Orthodox Jews or anybody that we know of, any religion that we know of as a defined or established practice.
0: Yeah. And so one thing she mentions in this article, actually, it's a it's a guy and a girl scholar. They mentioned the fact that they've actually met Orthodox Jews, couples, young couples who themselves believed the myth and were doing it. Because they thought, yeah. Wait, really? Wait. They actually thought this is what we do, and so they were trying to do it that way. Okay, now see now, doesn't that make it real? If they're
1: doing it because they think this is their religion? I don't think so. I
0: don't think. I think... But they're doing it. It is, but I would say, based on the, the way that the article read, it sounded like this was... A very rare exception and occurrence. Hmm. Uh, and it also, one thing, if you read any ref- refutation of this idea by an Orthodox Jew, they will say, this is not just something we don't do. This is very not Jewish. This Certainly. is not a Jewish thing to do. And they actually, will point out, there's actually a a part of the a rabbinic law that says you should be undressed as undressed as possible when you have sex. <laughs> like, say, if you've got lingerie on, you better take it off. If you've got your business socks I mean, on, you better take them off. Like, down to the. Couldn't you just say naked? Like, I think it actually. As undressed as well, possible. I think, there's like, one, it, <laughs> I think the one precept says something like, you can divorce your husband or your wife if they refuse to take their clothes off during sex. Yeah. Huh. Why? Uh because sex is about becoming becoming one. It's about being, you know, bone of bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. It's this unitive act. It's very important that the their be maximum intimacy why why would having socks on decrease intimacy Well it's never just decreased intimacy for me in my own experience but uh yeah i think the idea is that you wouldn't i don't know when this precept came about probably in the middle ages sometime but you wouldn't be envisioning some sort of victorian affair
1: Well, it sounds like the kind of precept that came from
0: an actual problem. People keeping their clothes on when they're having sex?
1: Well, yeah. This sounds like one of those rules that they had to specify because it was an issue. It's not the kind of thing you specify unless you need to because somebody's doing it. All right. It's like at my school, like we have a dress code. Like, we didn't have to specify you can't wear a romper to school until people started wearing rompers. What's a romper? It's like a
0: one-piece. What's wrong with the romper, then? I don't know. Well, here's the other thing. The man, I think at least, at an Orthodox Jewish wedding, part of the vows is to say that you will perform sexually. That's one of the things that you commit to. And there's actually guidelines for how often you should perform your duty. What are the guidelines? How often? Rather, that's why I want to. Remember. Yeah, I, no, often? I've got it. I, I've got it right here. It seems to be, it seems to be stratified by occupation. <laughs> These are the rulings of Rabbi Eleazar. The times for conjugal duty prescribed in the Torah are. For men of independence, every day. So mm. I don't know what men of independence means, unemployed.
1: I mean, that's, I'm pretty close to unemployed. I feel like that. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so you, all right. So you're every day, you're down for every day. Yeah. Yep, you got, you're on the calendar for every day. Sure. For laborers, twice a week.
1: All right. I mean, that's tiring. That makes sense, right? I get that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. You just pick maybe even the same two days every week. For ass drivers, once a week. And I, I don't know if that...
1: Is that the occupation? Is ass I driver the so. occupation or is it still I, on the... Is it ass driving once a week?
0: Ass driving once a week. I think it's ass drivers once a week because there's a comma. For ass drivers, comma. This is a, once a week, comma. It is. because, And I think too from the context because the next one for camel drivers... <laughs> once in 30 days.
1: <laughs> is, there, is there a comma? Is it the same? Camel drivers, comma.
0: Camel, yeah, it's camel drivers, comma, once in 30 days.
1: But this is not in the original, right? This comma is not the original. This is a translation.
0: Yeah, it would be Hebrew. But here's the thing ass driving and camel driving, I had no idea, but those must be very, very different in terms of labor intensity. Camel driving sounds much worse. Yeah. It's four times harder because you only have to have sex with your wife once a month. That's crazy.
1: I mean, maybe it's because maybe it's, maybe you smell bad after camel driving. Maybe there's something about. That could be. Maybe it's not a stamina thing. Maybe it's something else. Well,
0: I think the last one for sailors (laughs) once in six months. Well, okay. But there's. (laughs) That's probably how long your voyage
1: is. Sure. Or whatever. That's sex with your wife.
0: Yeah, sailors.
1: Then I'd be presuming something else. I mean,
0: the sex with your wife it at is least is once every right? six months. This is, yeah, because the, the, yeah, the, the whole category is conjugal duty. Yeah. So a couple of different ways that people think the myth might have arisen that I think are, they sound both like, Counter myths. One of them, in particular, sounds like a counter myth. Um, So the one myth goes that there's these two goyim walking through an orthodox neighborhood. I think you should define goyim. Uh, Gentiles, non-Jews, non-Jews. So there's a couple of gentiles walking through an orthodox Jewish neighborhood. And it's back when people hang, hang out their laundry to dry. And one of them sees a Talatot katan hanging out. This is an undergar- It's an undergarment that Jewish men wear. It has tassels. If you've ever seen an Orthodox Jewish man, you'll see him. He's wearing a black suit. And then under the black suit, it looks like parts of his dress shirt have maybe gotten frayed or something like that. That's his Talatot katan.
1: Yeah, Fiddler on the Roof. Think Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah,
0: right. Yep. If you have no other framework uh, for Jews besides Fiddler on the Roof, then you can think of Fiddler on the Roof. A lot of people in the Midwest don't. This is true. You're probably right. If I had to think what my parents' paradigm for Orthodox Jew is, it probably is Fiddler on the Roof. So they see this hanging up. And instead of just saying, excuse me, sir, we noticed that undergarment up there or that piece of cloth. And I wonder, could you explain to us what that is? We're strangers here. We don't really belong in your neighborhood. And so, you know, please forgive us for being, for being uh, insensitive, potentially, that sort of thing. Instead, these two guys speculate what they think it is. And... Basically, if you hold up or hang up a Talatote katan, it does look like a big, long sheet with a hole in the center. Is it a tiny
1: little hole, though? I mean, okay, not tiny. No. <laughs> Well-sized, but like...
0: It's for putting your head through. Yeah.
1: I mean, this is not penis-sized. No, not at all.
0: This is not, not for anybody. No, not for anybody. But despite that, these two guys... Come up with this idea like, well, they that must be the tassels must be for tying onto the bedposts, and then the whole part must be where the Orthodox Jew puts his boner, and that is where the myth comes from. See, this sounds like
1: this sounds fake, this sounds made up. This does not it sound so like it so does, yeah. Uh, tie on the bedposts, no. No. No.
0: This no. Is... the hole in the sheet myth seems to imply that the goal is to limit as much possi- as possible the physical contact between the partners. There is no man big enough to fit a to fill a neck hole with his girth. I defy anyone to find such a man.
1: I could see there being some loose connection there <laughs> from the Gentile perspective. Jewish people have lots of weird fabric. Like they have this other garment they wear that we don't wear. Sure. And from that creating the idea of a sex garment too. Not that you guys saw it and mistook it for a sex garment. Just that some jackass, you know, made it up because there's this other way in which they're different.
0: Well, that's why it sounds to me like a counter myth. Since the creators of the myth... Or the creators of the story are outsiders and they lack understanding and they don't seek clarification. Yeah. So to me, it reads like a counter myth that is supposed to be in some ways to match the ridiculousness of the myth itself. But I don't know. I have no idea. The sex therapist who wrote the article, they talk about the myth going back to the late Middle Ages. And they just label it for what it really appears to be, which is a way of making Jews. It's just an anti-Semitic myth. It's a way of making Jews into the other. By creating this myth, they can't be confirmed or denied. Well, uh, it could be. I suppose. It's, it's I mean, just
1: easy because it's referring to a very private thing.
0: Yeah, It's not something that you can go up to somebody on the street and say, hey, is it true that you... I mean, you could, but you'd be a jackass to do that. And the people that believe this myth don't want to do that. They want to have this myth of this group of people that have the worst kind of aberrant practice, aberrant sexual practices. And we can make them into the other, and then we can, you know marginalize them i think that's what's happening oh yeah
1: i agree and i think it's it's aberrant in a way that is not titillating like there are aberrant sexual practices that uh in some way people find attractive like group sex like an orgy like tales of a bacchanal right of frenzied sexual activity where Most people probably don't really want to do that kind of thing, but there's something about it that's attractive. And it's a sort of aberrant sexual behavior that totally lacks morals. Whereas this is the other side of the spectrum. This is overly moralistic, overly conservative. You can't even see your partner.
0: Yeah.
1: You still have to have sex. And that is that's ridiculous in a way that's not attractive. Like there's nothing titillating about that. But it's about sex, but it's it's easy then to dismiss the people as an other and as wrong because it's so ridiculous. Why would you do that? Why would you do that with sex, which is nice?
0: It has the same effect of marginalizing the group, but it has this it's this thing where you could just dismiss them. Is crazy. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Both the orgy and the sheet confirm
1: a kind of sexual morality. Like the norm is what we should be doing. And the frenzy is just too crazy. You can't do that all the time. So, so the normal sex quote unquote is acceptable. That's what we should do.
0: And that's what we and do. Is, that is yeah. what we do. Yeah. Well, and yeah, uh, you know, I read about, just all of the sexual myths that were floating around in the late middle ages. And this one apparently was floating around, but at the same time, there were, there were myths about, you know, promiscuous Jewish seductresses, Jewesses who would entice a Gentile man or men, Jewish men who were just lascivious and, you know, lecherous and perverted and that comes, that's part of the, if I remember correctly, that's that's part of the Nazi propaganda. That goes into the modern era, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, with a self-respecting history podcast, which I feel like we've got one toe in, I feel like we've got to mention Hitler and the Nazis occasionally. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Just to mention them, anyway. Yeah,
1: but I mean, this is this is not uncommon. I mean, any sort of maligning of a of an oppressed group, they're often viewed as either. I mean, just pick any group; it's either they're too puritanical with sex, or they're uncontrollable with sex.
0: Yeah, and uh, well, I think we should talk about the Amish version of this, because. It combines a lot of the things that we've just been talking about, but in this very strange way. So what's the Amish version? The Amish version is combined with another myth about the Amish. And it's, if there was a label for it, it would be something like the Amish stud myth. Okay. So it goes something like this. It's a kid, young guy in his early 20s, backpacking through... North Dakota or Montana or something. He comes to a small town and he gets approached by either an Amish or a Hutterite man. And he's offered money to basically to have sex with all of the eligible women, young women in the community because the problem of inbreeding has become Mm. too acute in this particular part of the Amish or Hutterite community. And so, you know, looking for a quick buck and being in his 20s and hitchhiking through North Dakota, this guy knows how to do two things. (laughs) Make a great Dave Matthews mixtape and (laughs) take advantage of (laughs) every sexual opportunity he can get his hands on so he goes to meet the women and have sex with him only to be told that he will be having sex through a sheet but he has to have sex with this through the sheet to minimize the pleasure that he will derive from it and mm. also to minimize the pleasure that the girl will feel if any and there's often, in this myth, some idea that the the father of the girl and the other elders of the community are observing the act to make sure that pleasure is not had. Hmm. So, what do you think about that? Like, would I do it or no what about the story? <laughs> yeah, I bet the story. I mean. Don't you think that's uh, a little different? I think that sounds a little different because I think for some men that would be titillating. I agree. I don't I don't buy the,
1: well, okay, it would be less pleasurable. If, but there is this promise in the story of anonymous sex with many different women. Like it is one guy having sex with many different women. For money. He gets, he's getting paid. He's getting paid. And the sheet even intensifies that anonymity of the women the objectification of the women there's literally becoming holes for this guy yeah and only holes yeah yeah there's uh, a there's
0: a really a brutality to the myth honestly and it is totally a myth i know several i am friends with several old order and new order new order amish and this is i don't even have to ask them about this there's no way that this is true
1: this is like a this is supposed to be a story from the past. It's not a regular practice.
0: No, but look on the worst part of the internet, which, in my opinion, is Yahoo Answers.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the worst of humanity. Yeah. I mean, not just human evil; it's just all the worst parts. Yeah. yeah.
0: When I read anything on Yahoo Answers it's It reads like the worst conversation you've ever overheard at a gas station. <laughs> just a couple of dudes just you know telling each other things that are just not true at all, but it's being passed from one Dorcas to another.
1: but I think that's getting at the commonality between the Orthodox Jewish version of the the sheet. And the the Amish stud version, which is that it's they're both maligning uh, a small group like they're both turning the other group into an other the capital O other yeah something that is qualitatively different
0: than us whoever us refers to. There's so many more things happening, I think, in the, uh, in the Amish stud myth. Because the other thing that's going on in that myth is that this is a failed project. There's this implication that the Amish are dying out because they can't get anyone else to be Amish. And so they have resorted. They're desperate.
1: Well, and for the group that's normal uh you have this this titillating factor this attractive factor this affirming factor that we're going to have sex with all these different women these other women these foreign women in some ways yeah uh we're showing our superiority to their men cuz they can't do this
0: and we are inherently sexually desirable this is yeah They need our genes. They need our genes because if you were desperate for men, you would want the guy who's hitchhiking through North Dakota, you'd want his dreadlocks and his physique, which showcases the Mexican poncho he wears. (laughs) You would want that guy to be part of the gene pool of
1: your community. Well, it seems like the sheet thing, the stipulation of the sheet. Now I'm just interpreting here. I don't know. I don't know this myth. It makes him less of a villain. If it's just some guy who has sex with a bunch of other people's wives, you could maybe even feel sorry for this community. Like this community is dying out. Or you could feel sorry for women. You can feel sorry for their spouses. Yeah. But the the ridiculousness of the sheet means you don't feel sorry for them. Hmm. What do you mean by that? That they have this, it's not the guy, it's not the stud demanding this. It's the community that's demanding it. Huh? Yeah. Because they're demanding something so ridiculous. You are no longer sympathetic towards them. That diminishes your sympathy for them. Like a community that's dying out, you could feel sympathy for. But a community that has such a ridiculous practice, you don't, you can blame them now. Oh, well, well, if this is how they view sex, that's why they're dying out. They don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Or they have stupid rules associated with it. Yeah. And you don't feel a as- them anymore and you can put yourself in the place of the stud and not
0: this community you know i live in an area where there's lots of amish i see them a fair bit sometimes a couple times a week i also like i said i've i am no and i'm friends with a couple of amish people that have been shunned and are not part of the community anymore this would be like saying well you know what catholics do Catholics, uh, they like to dry peaches in their basement and then they um, grind them up into this paste and they see how much of it they can um, put up their buttholes until they have to go to the hospital. Yeah, not all Catholics do that. Yeah, but I mean,
1: most of them do, right? I mean, I do. Sure. I don't know if anybody else does it. But
0: that's, I mean, you create that, it's just this... Is so utterly absurd, but it's the kind of thing, it hits the sweet spot for somebody who wants to believe a myth of this sort, the marginalizing kind of myth. And I think that's why it maybe doesn't matter whether you go one side of the sexual spectrum or to the other, if you go to the side of prudishness or to the side of promiscuity. Yeah,
1: either way, the goal is to affirm the norm. Whichever way, whichever extreme we go to, to affirm it, doesn't matter. Or you know, maybe it's doing something a little different, but the goal, it still seems to me, is to verify that this sexual norm is correct. And that variations of it or what things that fall outside of that norm
0: are incorrect. Do you know about Amish romance novels? Vaguely. These are huge. We should do a whole episode. We could do a whole episode on Amish romance novels. I think they're fascinating. They're very much an evangelical thing.
1: So they're not for the Amish or by the Amish? No, not at all.
0: They're totally, they're written by evangelicals and they are for evangelicals. But the uh, plots are almost always a young Amish woman. And they are romance novels. They're not romance like They're not like Harlequin novels. Well, is there any sex no. novel? They're mm. romantic novels. I would say. They're yeah, no, romance well, novels. Mm. They're romances. Mm. That, it's, it's so hard sure to yeah, say that. But I think
1: Amish romance novel gets across the, yeah. the gist of it.
0: Yeah, it's usually this... It's supposed to be didactic. It's supposed to be this story of this young woman living out her faith. Eve Juggles of a certain sort love this myth of the romantic Hmm. young Amish woman who's just trying to do the right thing. But Hmm. if you sat that same person down and explained, this is what the Amish believe. These are all the things that they believe. How many of these things do you also believe? And they would say, well, probably not that and probably not that. You know, they're not on the same page with this. But they're exotic. Yeah, they're exotic. That's That's what it gets down to. They're exotic. Yeah.
1: So there's an otherness that's being used for entertainment. And it's safe, too. You can put yourself in this person's shoes. This person's not threatening you.
0: Yeah. And I would argue, actually, it might not be damaging on the same level, but... It's still this degree of marginalization of the community because they're saying, well, these aren't real people. Yeah. Fairy tale people. So, bringing it back to our topic for today,
1: is this strange religion because it's not a real thing? Like, is the sheep with the hole in it strange religion? Because it's not, it's not existent. It doesn't really
0: exist. I would say it's strange. I would say it's not religion. It's not actually referring to anything that is actually a religious practice. And the people who are doing it, who are creating it and perpetuating this myth, I don't see any religious function to them doing it. Uh, I
1: mean, isn't it to be critical of their religion? Isn't it either to affirm your religion or affirm your rejection
0: of religion? I guess if you saw it that way, you could see it as a kind of religious act. But I would say the rejection of religion isn't necessarily a religious act.
1: Mm, No, but it's a reaction to religion. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you just didn't care, if you didn't give a shit, you wouldn't make up any myth. Like, you don't care what these people do. Yeah, that's true. And you wouldn't perpetuate a myth. The value of the myth is to affirm your position, to justify your position, right? It's to. Oh yeah, it's to uh, confirm that you are correct. Yeah, which means in some way you take this seriously. You feel you have to. Yeah, you have to. You have to say that. You have to make the point that you are correct and that they are incorrect.
0: Yeah, it is definitely about creating a, an insider status for somebody that holds to the myth. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't know if that's inherently religious. I think that anybody could do that. Well,
1: yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's a form of religion, but it's connected to religion. It's a reaction to religion, which is taking religion seriously. Yeah. On some level.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. This is, um, this whole phenomenon I thought there would be far more to joke about, but it's actually really just kind of horrifying and to imagine somebody earnestly believing this myth. And it's horrifying to imagine that even people would think this was a good idea to do it. So there's no... It just sucked all the fun out of it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I keep
1: thinking about to try to bring it around to fun. What would the logistics be of having sex with a sheet?
0: Well, I was thinking, okay, so yeah, the, that's a good point.
1: Well, the first thing, it seems like you'd be smothering somebody. Like one person or the other would just be covered with a sheet. and
0: That's exactly right, because if it goes <laughs> up above the head.
1: Well, it has to, the Hawaiian separation, right? Yeah. It's a sheet, it wouldn't really smother you. But like, it'd be like somebody was trying to smother you with a sheet. Is this the sheet that you normally have on your bed? I'm imagining, I mean, I'm picturing something that is at least similar. Maybe not the sheet, but like similar fabric. Maybe even take like, you buy an extra set. This is, you probably don't use the fitted sheet. That would be awkward.
0: Yeah, that'd be weird, but potentially useful. I kind of wondered about that sort of the elastic on the fitted sheet. Would that be something that you'd want sort to of put around the hole? Around the person, yeah. Well, just put it around the hole, like a small bit,
1: like sew a little bit into the hole.
0: Yeah, because that would uh, cinch it up, and it would also make sure that there was no, you know, fraying. So I don't think I don't think you, fraying would be an issue. I think,
1: but I don't think you want any cinch, cinching on that part of the body. You don't want cinching. Would
0: it be at the hilt? Yeah. Most of the time, I think it would have
1: to be. I Well, no, it would see. I think it would end up getting. Push back and forth, you get a you get like a little sheet burn. I think if you had it with elastic, yeah. if you had elastic in there, you're gonna get sheet burn. You have like a little you have a little red ring right around the hilt around the base.
0: Oh, one thing I wanted to I forgot to mention about um, the Amish stud myth is that some people think that the fact that that hole in the sheet myth gets added into the Amish stud myth is because of uh, bundling, which is this thing where you wrap two people in a bed together. Now that I could buy. That I could see getting misinterpreted. Yeah. This is a tradition that people used to do. It was originated in, I think, Holland or Britain. And then People did it in the colonial United States. Like uh, Jonathan Edwards actually preached sermons condemning bundling because it was too racy. Apparently, some Amish still practice it. And it's a courtship thing. You actually bundle these two. You bundle a young boy and a young girl together in a bed and you encourage them, hey, use tonight, stay up late and get to know each other. And the idea of the bundling is that they can't get out.
1: They are trapped.
0: Yeah. Basically. Yeah, you're in a bundling sack. And there might even be a bundling board, like a board in the middle of the bed coming up in between the two people to keep them separate and discourage, Mm. you know, things from happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. I mean, it's just—it's kind of charming. It's kind of a charming little thing. Sure. And there's a sense to it, though. There is, yeah. And it is actually something that people actually used to do. Yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, you know, the practicalities of using the sheet, you have the smothering factor, the chafing factor. I mean, I, that sheet's going to get really moist real fast.
0: And I'm still unclear. Is this the sheet? Is this the, your normal top sheet? Or do you go to the closet, the linen closet? And say, I think this is a special sheet. Go and get it.
1: Now, it could be multi use. At Halloween, you could be a, a pirate ghost, one eyed pirate oh, ghost. Oh,
0: you were thinking that way. See, I was still thinking that <laughs> you would be sticking your erection through it, and then you'd be, <laughs> I guess, a pervert ghost or a ghost that ended the night in prison, something like that. let we'll see, this is.
1: Yeah, multiple costumes here. It's not just multiple uses of the sheet. Multiple costumes. Pirate ghost with one eye. Scary ghost. Pervert ghost. Yeah. Uh, Phantom penis.
0: Flaccid ghost.
1: Flaccid ghost. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Possibilities are endless.
1: Here ends the podcast of Strange Religion. Feel free to check out our website at keepreligionstrange.com you can leave us comments there and you can email us at podcast at gmail.com If you're listening to us on Anchor FM, be sure to leave us a voice message or comment about today's today's episode. You can find us on Twitter at Religio Eliana and Christopher Tweets at CEJ Brenna. You can find us on Facebook at Strange Religion Podcast and not on Instagram because we don't get up to such things. Join us next week for another edition of Strange Religion. Until then, remember, keep the faith and keep it strange.
0: And now I approach the altar I know my God will see the good in me It is my destiny